God dang, <laughs> stupid, man. But like that's just, you get you can't do like he's untouchable. People are like, yeah. how do we let Robert Downey Jr. get away with with this? And it's like, eh, it's too late. It was funny. We all laughed. Move on. Absolutely, <laughs> that's one of my favorite movies. I think everybody, bro. But everybody, I, I feel like that's the. One. I don't know why you couldn't even look at me and say, how does he get past? And he, I'm like, because he was playing a dude, playing another dude. It, maybe sometimes it's just too funny. It just transcends. Yeah, I guess. There's probably like there's probably like a professor who can like break this down. Like yeah. why this was okay, but not this. And I'm like, all right, mm. man, sweet. But all I know is in my gut, I ain't bad enough. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Now now that we, we miss half the bull um that we were supposed to capture. <laughs> uh I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it like this because I'm not even ready. I've still got the giggles on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit, I thought you f***ed up the intro music. Look at that. I'd like to begin with a fact. Whether in a small town like McAllen, or in Chicago, New York, or Los Angeles, it is business. Big business. And who you think you talking to, my nigga? I'm focused on my digits and my figures. I grew up with the hitters and the killers And mama raised the star so any minute I can feel it And everything I got I had to get it It make the feeling better when I spend it And all my time feel better when I spend it On some shit to craft the perfect world that I decide to live in I've been flooding any opening so rising at the ceiling My mama smiling post when she realizing what I'm building Had to tame emotions to realize what I've been feeling Now all my weaker layers steady peeling Pilling off the V is paid, the engine purring different I shit me through, I shake the room, I shake up competition I done made amends with many things that I can't mention Cause I can lose it all through relapsing and revisits And that's real ish, yeah And who you think you talking to, my idiot? I'm focused on my digits and my figures I grew up with the hitters and the killers And mama raised the star so any minute I can feel it And everything I got, I had to get it again, y'all I got the giggles like a mug. What's up, y'all? What's up? What's up? What's up? It is your boy again, Leaf Israel, coming at you another episode. This is a part two, of course, to the last episode of Leaving a Legacy with my boy Aaron Brantley. Yes, of course, man. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Good to be here for part two. Yeah, I, I was thinking about not bringing you back and just leaving this hanging out there, but you know, <laughs> the, the fans they said the fans wanted this. They said, "Oh, you got to bring Aaron back. You got to." It was probably back. just my mama. She probably just like, "You got to bring Aaron back." That's my Dude, did boy. You, did your mom hear it? No, I need uh, to. I need to send it to her. Uh, I, mean, I was like, "Oh snap, man, man!" <laughs> Dude, I can see like um, when I see the uh, the stats, it like shows locations and shit. nice. I'm saying you, right, let me just you got anything it. random like uh right, like see I'm using the wrong hold on, hold on I gotta find my there you go. Okay. Here we go. I'm gonna edit all this out. Or I might just keep it in. Yeah, so all that Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. So if I can't tell we are we are it's late. It's like a late night. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um and we we are both. This is probably like uh typical times when we used to live together when we used to come home from the field. Yeah, and it'd be like who's more tired? 
whoever got the pizza first got home first. So that that's, that's <laughs> what that meant. Um, but we owe y'all a part two. So guess yes. what? Y'all will get a part two. All right. So Aaron, <clears throat> get my professional voice on. <clears throat> so Aaron, last time we left off. No, so. <laughs> last time we left off, we were talking about your first deal. So yep. let's just jump right into it. Tell us about your first deal, how that went down. All right. Yeah, nuts and bolts. So basically, I got into wholesaling, got my first deal, started looking for properties on market in Wilmington. So I got me an agent, like most people think, hey, mm-hmm. want to buy a property? Let me get an agent. We started looking at some properties, the roughest properties we could find on the multiple listing service at the time. And from what I knew, like nothing made sense in terms of purchasing and flipping. Nothing made why, sense. It, it was, was too expensive. Oh, okay. It, it, this was late 2019, which the market wasn't even as hot as it is now. But but even back then, it just seemed, wow, this there's not enough meat on the bone. And um, one of the properties we stopped at, this guy uh try he helped us get into the property because there was no lockbox and so he comes with a with a freaking cordless drill <laughs> drills out the locks yeah Bruh. yeah come on come on and we're like what's going on here this is uh <laughs> this is strange and so i talked to him afterwards and it turns out he's a wholesaler not the most ethical wholesaler but he was a wholesaler okay okay and I was like, tell me more about this. And, you know, he told me a little bit, not too much. He went on and on to the next thing. But I decided I was going to look into it more. And what I found was, is that basically wholesaling, I think I said this episode one, is just, you know, the art and science of sourcing off-market real estate opportunities, right? Investment mm-hmm. opportunities. And I said, well, I can't find anything on the market that makes sense. Let me try this off-market thing. I read a book, went on Amazon, ordered a book. Uh, I read, think it's, y'all. I think read yeah, books. I think it was called "If You Can't Wholesale After That After This Book, I Can't Help You" or something like that. We could probably put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of YouTube, Max Maxwell, Brent Daniels, those guys. Basically, after a couple weeks of this. Um, I spent some time looking for distressed properties just in neighborhoods. Uh, and I'll cut to the chase. Basically, I was like, dang, this is this is taking a little bit longer than I thought. I need to get a deal this week. And so I saw that the fastest way to do it was cold calling. So I got um, the tax delinquent list from New Hanover County Public Records available online. I put it through what's called a skip tracing service, which is an online service. If you put in the address and the name, it'll give you the list of phone numbers most recently associated with that person. Mm-hmm. And I got on my cell phone, got me a Google voice and I started hand jamming. And I said, I said, I set myself a goal for this. I said, you know, I don't have children. Hopefully one day I will, God willing, but 
I have mm-hmm. two younger sisters, seven and nine years younger. And I said, you know, I thought about the movie Taken and I was like, if one of them got kidnapped <laughs> and this guy held the gun to my head, he said, if you want to ever see your sisters again, you need to get a wholesale deal this week. <laughs> By the end of the week, you need to get a contract. <laughs> <laughs> what would I do? I'm, I'm not kidding. I was like, I called it my Taken week. And okay. I was like, all right. And I was like, I'm going to hand jam, man. I'm going to yeah. get in there. And I probably called like five or six hours a day for, oh for a week. Right. Mm-hmm. And guess what? By Thursday, I had three appointments okay, hold to on, go hold on, look hold on. at off market properties. I want to paint a picture for everybody here. So you talked about scoping distressed properties, like even that in itself. Cause I know I was, I mean, I remember talking to you about this. You was rolling around Wilmington in some mm-hmm. sketchy areas mm-hmm. looking for properties that were That's right. not in the best condition. Yeah. I had my girlfriend <laughs> riding shotgun. Yeah. She had a yellow notepad and a pencil <laughs> and we would ride up and down the streets and we just look for the, the worst properties we could find. Okay. So like that, that's like the first, like, how many hours were you doing this? We'd probably do that for like two or three hours at a clip. You could write down 50 properties during mm-hmm. that time period. You know, I know now that's still a valid, you know, way of doing things. Yeah. Definitely works. Like probably 80% of people who get their first wholesale deal, they get it from that method. It's called driving for dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably need 250 distressed properties on your list, and then you need to talk to those people. You can probably get a deal. So if, like you, that, yeah. if you do about 50 addresses in a two to three hour stint, <clears throat> within two weeks, you can get a deal. Okay. So we're, but we're talking, you know, again, like day to day, driving around, mm-hmm. putting that time in. Mm-hmm. Risk, you know, going to going where you got to go. That was like yep. the first time investment. Yeah. And then from that was there, like the first month. First month. Okay. Yep. And then from there, going straight into like nah, like overdrive. Yep. Cold calling. Scale up. Six hours a day. Yep. I just want to paint this because I feel. I mean, I feel like when people see like when we look on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, mm-hmm. we look at the people on YouTube, Instagram. They're showing their success. They're showing how they built their empire, but they don't show the trenches. They don't show mm-hmm. like what they actually had to go through before this stuff started to click. Um, so I kind of like to highlight those things where, you know, for you, obviously you're moving past it, right? Like you're like, right. yeah, I remember that. But I think a lot of people don't understand just the amount of time and effort that was put in yeah. into this before you were like, aha, I, I got it. So Cutting back into three appointments, you know, after after a week, was it a week or two weeks of cold calling? It was it was one week of cold calling. Okay, one week um, cold calling, three appointments. Yep, three I'll, appointments. I bring it to you. Uh, one of those I'm still working actually, um, but from those three, I actually got my first contract. Hmm. Um, let me tell you about it. So it was off the tax delinquent list. Every county in every state. And there's like 3,300 counties in the United States. As a matter of public record records, real estate 
that is behind on its taxes. There's a couple of different ways of cutting it, but in New Hanover County in North Carolina, uh, if a property is tax delinquent on, uh, like I said, county taxes, it indicates a couple of things. One, there's probably no mortgage because if you have a mortgage on your property with a mortgage servicer, then they're gonna be collecting taxes as well as insurance payment in addition to your loan payment. So they always make sure the taxes are current. So if there's if it's tax delinquent, it means the person probably owns the property free and clear. Mm. It also indicates they're probably in some type of distressed situation. They might have other priorities that don't include paying their property taxes, which means they might be willing to sell quickly and at a discount to trade equity for convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, it doesn't happen usually on a quick timeline, but that property can be tax foreclosed by the county and sold in an auction to some other uh, buyer. And when that happens, the seller gets no money. It's like a bank foreclosure, basically. The property is removed from their possession. It's sold to someone else. The state, the county recoups their money and the seller doesn't get anything. So basically I was targeting this list to try and find people who were in need of help and would be willing to sell their house to help solve that problem. And uh, how long yeah. does that usually take? Cause I know we've, again, we've talked offline. Mm-hmm. I, people probably tired of hearing me saying that, but um, we've talked about this extensively and I think how long does it take for, Hey, this, I missed my taxes mm-hmm. one year. It's not like a next year, the city or the county is after me. It usually takes some time. It does. It does. It really depends on the the city, the county, the location of the property, mm-hmm. um, the type of property. But, you know, we can go into this one, for instance. So it was uh, a property near downtown. It was in downtown Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Um, it was built in 1928. So it's an, it was an older building. Uh 3,500 square foot and a four unit, which in Wilmington is pretty rare. Yeah, There's not a whole lot of multifamily in Wilmington. And so when I talked to this seller, you know, he picked up nice gentleman. He lived in Virginia. Um, and he was four years behind on his property taxes and he had owned the property for four years. Do the math. I carry the two. (laughs) He never paid property taxes. He never paid property taxes. (laughs) He paid for the property in cash, and it was distressed at the time that he bought it. Um, He planned to fix it up. Life got ahead of him. He had some some other things, family issues. Uh, He thought he was going to move to Wilmington, but he ended up staying in Virginia. Mm -hmm. He had a business there. And so he had sold off all the other properties and this was the last one he had left in Wilmington. He had bought five or six. This was the last one he had left and he was sending guys from his crew. He was a contractor down to Wilmington, like two weeks at a time, three weeks at a time to go work on it and was getting nowhere. Imagine that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, That sounds right. Yep. And so uh, he was $7,000. He owed $7,000 in back taxes, like I said, four years. Um, And 
he was motivated. I mean, he, he wanted to take that money that he had in that deal and he wanted to be able to go build more houses in Virginia, right? He was like, I'm not coming to Wilmington again. I'm done putting money into this property. You know, one unit was occupied. The other three were in various states of disrepair or rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Um, he's behind on taxes. The county probably should have taken it a year ago, <laughs> right? It yeah. typically takes a few years, four years for a property like that, owing $7,000 in taxes. It's a surprise they didn't take it earlier. Um, so he's just like, yeah, you know, what do you give me? So I went, organized the time to take a look at the property. And man, I didn't know what I was doing, but <laughs> I went said, anyway. He said, uh, yeah, I faked it. So I made it. <laughs> and I, t- I took steps, right? You just got to take steps in the right direction. Yep. So armed with the, you know, the books that I'd read and the YouTube videos I'd watched, it was enough. Um, I went to take a look at the property and I estimated it probably needed about $70,000 worth of work. Okay. Okay. Um, pretty much a full rehab in the, the three units that were not occupied. So probably about 2,500 square foot of, okay. you know, house to, to really do a full rehab on. Mm-hmm. Um, the real challenge was figuring out how much is this property worth when it's all fixed up? Okay. That's called the after repair value and not being inexperienced. Um, this being a multifamily property in a neighborhood that is almost entirely single family. Um, and Wilmington is very network dependent, right? You cross a street and the values can change $150,000 for a property of the same size and age. Um, so it was like on the edge of an affluent neighborhood, but it was on the wrong side of the street. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was a multifamily and a single family neighborhood and it was old. And so, man, I was so excited. Uh, we agreed at 167. Okay. And I was like, man, this thing's probably worth $500,000. 450. Easy. I was wrong. <laughs> but that's what I thought. Okay. Okay. So I went and I talked to. So wait, uh, wait, wait. Before. Go ahead. So 167, what was the agreement that you made with the man? With the yes. So the agreement was that a cash offer, we, we signed a purchase agreement. So okay. a, a contract to purchase the property. Uh, for $167,000. Now, as a wholesaler, this is this is typically how we operate. Um, you know, you it should be a, a contract that you can take down yourself, but you don't have to. Okay, you don't have to do that. And so um, that's what makes wholesaling so powerful in terms of sourcing off-market real estate opportunities is it gives you the avenue to be able to find the resources to buy it yourself at a good price, fix it up and flip it. Or if you don't want to do that, okay, you can contract that property 
And then you have what's called equitable interest. You're not an owner of the property, okay? But that contract to purchase the property is something that gives you an interest in the property that you can sell for compensation. That contract, okay? And there's different ways to sell that contract. Um, one of the most common ways is what's called an assignment. And you, you find a buyer who wants to buy the property, okay, through your contract. You sell them the rights to your contract for a fee at closing. Okay. So <clears throat> what I did was, um, you know, I didn't have $167,000 at the time, but what I said was, okay, let me see if there are any buyers who would be interested in purchasing this contract. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I marked it up a little bit. Honestly, I don't, I don't legitimately recall what I marked it up to, but it was probably around 200. I was probably asking around 200. Okay. Mm -hmm. I said, Hey, shoot, if it needs $70,000 worth of work and it's worth North of 400, probably close to five. That sounds like a good deal, right? Yep. Well, I only got a couple buyers interested. I'm just going to shoot you straight, right? Mm -hmm. There were some people who were like, you're asking way too much for what I see. But some said, hey, let me come take a look at the property, show it to me, see what we got. Yeah. One person was actually in our network, right? Or on the Network Nights podcast. Uh, it's a, a classmate of ours. That's right. A <laughs> classmate of ours who had actually gotten into real estate investing a year before. Right. So while he was mm -hmm. active duty Marine Corps, he and his brother partnered up and they started purchasing properties to flip and purchasing properties to hold his rentals. Mm -hmm. So I hit him up and I said, hey, man, got this contract. You might be interested. They said, yeah, let's come take a look at it. And then leveraged Facebook, their Facebook groups of investors and people who aspire to be investors for real estate in every area of the country. Okay, every county, city, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I leveraged that as well. And basically, they both came back and they said, well, we can't do what your asking price is. We need to be lower. We need to be lower, probably around 145. Hold up. All right, hold up, hold up, hold yep. up. You get this guy, say, hey, I'll pay you 167 mm -hmm. to purchase to to have the rights to pretty much purchase your property. Correct. And you, again, you were like, hey, you know, sell for two hundred. Mm -hmm. That's a steal. People will put money into it, mm -hmm. flip it, and they'll make a lot more. Mm -hmm. And all the numbers you got back was were they all south of one fifty? They were all south of one fifty. And here was the issue: is I was using to to figure out the value of the property. I was using properties that other properties that had sold recently that I would say were inappropriate or uh, inaccurate. So, you're, so like your, you're talking about your comps at that point? Exactly. Mm. It's called comparable, a comparable mm. property. It was too far away. So I was looking for multifamily, but I was picking multifamily comps that were too far away. They were in different neighborhoods, more upscale yep. neighborhoods, yep. Um, things like that. And so it was difficult to, to get an idea of what it was worth, but 
finally, okay, we settled, hey, it's probably worth more like 390 as opposed to like north of 450, close to mm-hmm. 500. And in addition, instead of costing about $70,000 to fix up, the rehab cost is probably going to be 110 to 120. Okay. So you can see how that really tightens yeah, your window. The, the buy box. Yeah. So <clears throat> this was all during what's called the due diligence period, which in North Carolina is your, your time to inspect the property as, as a buyer, right? Under contract for the purchase of the property to inspect it and to get an idea of like nailing all of this stuff down. Yo, quick side note. Is due diligence not a thing in other states? Not necessarily. I'm so like I'm I'm too like I'm too Carolina to actually mm-hmm. understand what happens in other states. But mm-hmm. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I had to ask that question because I, I feel I feel like I heard that now and I was like, Oh yeah. crap, I thought this was I thought this was situation normal. Standard. Yeah. Yep. No. North Carolina has a good system. Um there is always an inspection period unless otherwise negotiated, but mm-hmm. how that affects the funds that you deposit is yeah. different in other States. Gotcha. So yeah. Um, in, in North Carolina, you know, explicitly you can cancel the contract during the due diligence period for any reason or no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, doesn't apply in all States. Gotcha. So basically armed with that knowledge about you know, probably the value of the property, how much it would cash flow once it's all rented out, how much it's going to take to get it um, all fixed up. I went back to the seller and I said, hey, uh, just during the course of the due diligence, going to need to renegotiate. And he was open to it and he was able to accept an offer at 130. Hmm. Okay. So at 1.30, we signed a new purchase contract. I signed an assignment agreement um, with our friend mm-hmm. and classmate yep. uh, for 145000 And then uh, about four weeks after that, we, uh, we went to closing. The buyer brought the funds, okay? Deposited funds with the attorney who ran the title and stuff like that. Yep. Okay. Deposited 145. The attorney cut a check for 130 that went to the seller. He was happy as a clam. And then I got the difference, which was a check of $15,000. <laughs> Yo, what does that even mean? Yeah, all right. Let's talk. What does happy as a clam mean? Dude, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> But it sounds That's great. Some Maryland stuff, man. Oh, yeah, my you're gosh. right. You say you're happy as a clam. I'm like, wait, what? All right, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 130. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what? Buyer's happy because they got a property that they're going to flip and make a lot of money off of. Yep. Um, seller's happy because he was in a bad situation mm-hmm. one more year. He's walking away with nothing. Exactly. And you're happy because. You made 15K approximately, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. idols and feet. Yeah, I understand that stuff costs. But uh, you made about 15K just for the work you did of pretty much meeting the hands together. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you for that seller, 
think about the problems we solved here. So let me let me list out his the aspects of this, which was distressed. Okay, mm-hmm. so the property itself needed over a hundred thousand dollars in repairs. Yeah. It was tax delinquent. It was three quarters vacant. He was an absentee owner and lived out of state, which adds a layer of complexity and challenge, right, to mm-hmm. fixing these problems. And it turns out he had actually just gone through a divorce within the past six months to a year. So this solved all of his problems. He got that check for 130 and he's able to reinvest that into his business in Virginia and carry on. Now the buyer got a property below market value. They were able to put, you know, they put they bought it for 145 they put let's say 110 in 255 mm-hmm. and the property's worth at the time at least i'd say 390 mm-hmm. so they got another $100,000 plus in equity mm-hmm. and now they rent that property and cash flow and they were able to refinance later pull that money out and keep the equity cash flow and uh yeah they got multifamily in, in downtown Wilmington. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. And 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 the foundation or basis of capitalism or business always mm-hmm. paints a picture that the little guy gets screwed over and mm-hmm. the big corporation or the or the capitalist in this situation is just money hungry, grabbing every mm-hmm. cent and dollar, leaving everybody to fight for scraps. Mm-hmm. And I think in this scenario, though, you have capitalism working in a sense that, no, it actually makes it so everybody is able to feed and everybody's able to yep. win in this case. Yep. I mean, if you recall, last last time we talked, I talked about like what makes wholesaling positive. It's we're, we're, we play a role in an ecosystem like a, you know, like a, like a coral reef, right? We've got all these different like sea life together, mm-hmm. right? All working together. The city got their taxes back, right? They got $7,000 in taxes yeah. recouped. Guess what? You know, they raised property taxes on that property. Yep. Okay. So they're going to get more taxes now because of its rehabilitated state. So it's more productive for the city. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, now we've got four tenants living, right, in this property where there were three of those that were inaccessible a year, several years before that. And, you mm-hmm. know, housing everywhere is, is in such low supply, like every little bit helps. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the neighborhood gets beautified. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a win-win all around, man. Um, and it's, it's not just dog eat dog, but it's collaborative. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, I mean, I think that was a perfect, I think, I think we hit the big wickets, especially of that first deal that you, Mm -hmm. that you were able to accomplish. Right. Which 
you know, again, man, I'm a... Because, no, man, for real, because that's something that, you know, you got, you had a drive, and you had to keep going, keep going, keep going mindset, when a lot of people might have given up, or got a nine to five, or, you know, hey, I need to, do, you know, let me get a nine to five, and then do this on the side, right, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just applauding, applauding your due diligence, let me stop, I'm applauding yeah. your, your, your motivation, and you know, you're standing fast, man. That, that's awesome. Um, I, I would I would highly recommend you keep your nine to five and learn how to do this <laughs> before quitting your job. Hey, hey man. I, so there's a rapper. I'm going to shout him out. Um, named Solomon Fay. And I went to prep school with him. He's from Harlem. <laughs> um, you know, his life went, you know, took some turns. But he ended up in downtown Manhattan, like Soho <laughs> area. And he was just focusing on music. That's all he was doing. And I asked him like, yo man, like, is that scare you? Like, how was that? How was that? And, um, he told me, he's like, you know, honestly, once I stopped working and all I did was music, mm-hmm. it changed things for me. And it, it changed the way I look at music. It changed the way mm-hmm. his song sounded. He, you know, like people said they sounded better. They sounded mm-hmm. more real. And I think he told me, it's like, you know, there's one thing having a hobby, but then there's another thing where, the lights don't come on if you don't do this. Right. And there's a different fire under your belly at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear you. Some people don't like it. Some people don't like that fire. They don't want to touch it. They don't even want to see it. But for some others, it drives them even more yeah. than if they kept it as a hobby. So, yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. Definitely, you can make certain contingency plans, but. Yep. Um, you got to make sure that step's right for you. Yeah. 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 Go. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right, man. All right. So. That was that was the first deal, right? Mm-hmm. Where where are you now in regards to, um, yeah, in regards to your your wholesaling business? Sure, yeah. Um, now I've got a full partner. Uh, she's she's a great partner, um, a friend, dear friend from church. She decided she saw what I was doing, and she wasn't really satisfied in what she was doing. She was working as a paralegal and. She's kind of crazy. She quit her job and then asked me to teach her how to do it. <laughs> just hey, I'm just, hey, yeah. just saying. We just talked about it. Just saying. And uh, her her husband is one of my best friends as well. Um, and so she and I were full partners. Um, now we have uh, three prospectors who do our phone prospecting, and whether that's call or text. And also my mother, she uh, retired um, from basically her latest career as a United Methodist clergy. Mm-hmm. And in her retirement, she's a former attorney. So she's got, she's had a very interesting journey, yeah. but she's come onto our team and she handles what we call transaction coordination, uh, which is basically the paperwork Okay. And then coordinating all these different parties and trying to get everybody to the closing table on time. She might as well move to North Carolina then at that point. <laughs> Come on. Dude. So, you know, hey, you know, my family, they live in Maryland. I live on the East Coast of North Carolina. My partner mm-hmm. lives in Charlotte. And then we've got three marketers and a manager who's part of our account in the Philippines. So we do everything virtually. What the? 
My bad. Yep. You threw me. You, all right, you threw me for a loop with the Philippines. I was not. I, I was expecting like Raleigh or something. You threw nope. me for a loop there, but I got you. Okay. Yeah. So you know, it's it's definitely grown, and that's really been in the last uh, really four to five months. Um, you know, I'd say you know my first deal basically took me to the end of 2019. Uh, we know what happened in 2020. Yep. Right. Things got really interesting. And I stayed full time. Most of that time I was working by myself, but I'm not going to lie, man, it, it got tough. It got really tough because when you're trying to do this business, you know, I feel like the Lord has really blessed me every time I come to like a, a tough position, right? Mm-hmm. A new door is opened right? For the, mm-hmm. for the next step. But, you know, when you're, when you're doing this business by yourself, it's like a sine wave. Okay. And this is where everyone starts out. And so you have to understand this and get past it. It starts with, Hey, like my taken week ramp up. I'm going to talk to sellers. I'm going to market, market, market. And you get traction. You get appointments. You start talking to sellers. You talk to enough sellers, you're going to get a contract. Mm -hmm. All right. Now you've got that contract and it's like your baby, right? And you've got to get that baby delivered basically, right? (laughs) Like this is like the football. You got to get it to the end zone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, okay, you're doing an inspection of the property. You're taking photos. You're networking with buyers who want to partner with you, okay, who want to take over the contract, X, Y, Z. You're getting them in there. You're showing them the property. You're communicating with the seller, keeping him up to date. You're getting the property to the, you're getting the contract to the closing table and you're getting cut a check. Typically, we operate from contract to close about 30 days. Sometimes it can be quicker. Sometimes it can be longer depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. But guess what you're typically when you're a one man band, guess what you're not doing when you're inspecting, when you're interfacing with buyers and when you're getting it to close. What you're you're not do? doing step one yeah. marketing. Yeah. Okay. And so what happens is, is this business typically when you start out, and this is why I say, Hey, if you can learn this business and keep your nine to five, it is doable. And I would say, I would recommend most people do that, okay? Because it's going to be feast or famine, right? You're going to be getting contracts. You're going to be moving them to the end, you know, the end of the line. And then typically you're going to have to start over again. And that's really what I found in 2020 um, was that kind of cyclical nature. And it was it was a grind. Um, but, you know, my partner coming on board uh made all the difference Mm. Ah. trying to get my words here now so i I feel like especially just you paying that picture right with 2020 Mm -hmm. i mean i i mean a lot of my friends we call it a bit the pandemic right and actually not even my friends i'm not even gonna coin that like we did that but People are saying it was a pandemic because mm-hmm. a lot of the middle class got dissolved. Mm-hmm. Like people got pushed left or right of the divider and people who were wealthy got really even more acquired more wealth. Mm-hmm. So definitely understand, especially, you know, you said, hey, one door closed, but another door opened. Mm-hmm. It 
yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of people doors closed and for some people a lot more open. So, um, Mm -hmm. but you had to find those doors. You had to go out there and actually again, put the grind in. And I think that's the one thing about being an entrepreneur, right? It's scary Mm because you don't have the safety blanket of, let's say a nine to five with benefits and, and et cetera, et cetera. But the more I talk to entrepreneurs and they talk about, Hey, these things are scary, but guess what? So is nine to five. So is this, so yes, is that. There's other exactly. there's risk involved with everything that you have to do. And I think at the end of the day, it's about betting on yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so true. If you're going to bet on yourself, looking into the future, what are you, what are you betting on? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, yep. I wouldn't say like, what's an end goal? Because, sure. I mean, who knows what an end goal is. We could is. be here for days. Yeah, for a <laughs> You'd be spitting to me like goals on goals, five, ten years. But, yeah. um, at the end of all this, what would you like to accomplish when it's all said and done? Sure. So my partner and I, we set out a goal for 2021. And that was by January of 2022, we would have uh, monthly revenue. Okay. So this is before all expenses, 50 to $60,000 a month. Um, and that's going to be the way our numbers kind of work. That's four to six properties closing a month. Mm. Um, this month we're looking at closing three. We closed one today. We got one on Friday and we should have another one in the next couple of weeks. Congrats. So thanks, man. And couldn't have done it without my partner. Couldn't have done it out with, without the, the team uh, and friends and family again, who have supported it throughout this entire thing. And so we're on track to make that goal. All right. Um, and that's the goal that I want to accomplish in the near term. I want to get this business stabilized because this is the gateway, right. To so many other real estate things. There's in real estate, there's so many ways to do it. There's so many niches. It's basically endless, but the way I see it is this wholesaling business. It is, the uh, it's getting in on the ground floor on those off-market opportunities. So we were able to do, you know, a flip this year, mm. seller finance, a seller finance flip. I won't go into that too much, but we didn't, we didn't need to get a loan to purchase the property. We got the, well, we got the loan from the seller, right? We got private money to fund the repairs and then we sold it on the market for a profit. Um, you know, we've pretty much been sticking to, to cash deals right now, uh, in terms of wholesaling, we do have two, uh, seller finance deals under contract right now as well, including a seven unit package of condos. But basically if we can keep this marketing going and this business churning, we can, now we can move into flips, right? Now we can move and pick the best ones as rental properties, right? Now we have the time to take a step back and look at, okay, beyond residential, is there anything else that we want to we wanna do, right? Or um, how do we want to do this residential business? Personally, um, and I think my partner shares this, this goal, we've um, found something called 
It's a nonprofit called Incremental Development. So anyone who wants to check it out. Basically, it's a nonprofit that aims to train, you know, basically a thousand small-scale developers in every state of the of the country. And the goal is to make our towns and cities strong and worthy of love, basically. Okay. Every single one from the smallest town to the biggest city. And that means making them human scaled, uh, walkable, right? Uh, full of life, whether that's, you know, faith community, small businesses, um, families, right? Affordable for people on all different scales, okay? And that means building differently than we've built in this country for the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. Basically, for the last 50 years, we've built single-family suburban homes. And then more recently, we've built larger-scale apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of options in there that we need to have for ownership right? For, for equity in the real estate sense and in the social sense of ownership um, for people in different types of situations, right? A lot of those situations don't work for the youngest, you know, the, the people who are just leaving their parents' house, right? Or the oldest, okay? Um, we need different living options and different ways of building wealth for those in the middle, Right. The big thing we're missing is the duplexes, the triplexes, the quads. All right. The courtyard apartments, uh, the small apartment buildings, the mixed use with commercial on the bottom apartments over top for those those uh, those vendors. Okay, And so really, that's I'd probably say in five years or shorter timeline than that, really in the next year or two. That's what I'd like to get into. I'd like to get into the small scale incremental development to really uh, help build strong, beautiful communities. Hmm. Man, if I had a violin or something like that, that's, that was beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful, y'all. That Thanks, was, man. I, I mean, it's just like, I, I don't have a, yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it there. I'm gonna leave that there. There you go. Um. Yeah, wow. Geez. All right. And I, I can tie in, you know, my girlfriend listened to the the first podcast. Don't, do it. Don't and, steal my thunder. Don't steal okay, my thunder. Okay, am I stealing your thunder? I won't steal your thunder. thunder. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ooh. Go ahead. I don't. I don't care I can, what she I says. I can't cut I, you off, man. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care what she says. This is, this is my podcast. I'm a fair enough. Go ahead. How? Because why in the hell would I name this "Leaving a Legacy"? Yes, sir. We don't talk about leaving a <laughs> yes, <laughs> leaving sir. a legacy. All right. You know who you are out there. Okay, I got this. But anyway, the moment y'all been waiting for, Aaron. How does all this tie into leaving a legacy? Okay. Well, I think ownership of land is one of the most fundamental building blocks, elements of a legacy that we can leave to our, our family, our descendants, our community, right? A beautiful, um, well-cared-for and productive environment 
Mm-hmm. There's a there's a saying I'm probably going to butcher it. Okay, um, it goes something like this: mm. The Romans did not love Rome because she was great. Rome was great because the Romans loved her. Okay, and so it's the investment into our community that I think really sets the stage for for this legacy that I'm talking about, okay? Whether Mm -hmm. that's wealth, okay? Whether that's a beautiful environment, right? Um, Or whether that's, you know, a productive city where equity is, let's say, distributed. And so, you know, I say all this to say, what I do as a wholesaler, it's not the be all end all, but it's the beginning. And it's through that, through some knowledge, some scrappiness, some stick to um, Really, anyone, if you even if you have a few hundred dollars, you can learn how to become a real estate investor, right? Which opens the door to all of those things that I just talked about and that legacy uh, that I think we can leave. And it's not for everybody. And there's many ways to leave a legacy, but Mm -hmm. I think um, this is the one I've chosen. And I think for those who are interested in it, this is a worthy way to learn and pursue in order to do so. And so it's interesting, right? Because I think some people think a legacy might be, um, you know, since we're butchering quotes, um, I'm not going to try to butcher this one. I'm just going to paraphrase. But I think the quote I'm thinking about is pretty much what is said about you when you're gone. Mm-hmm. Like, what type of person were you? What type of man? Mm-hmm. What type of woman? Yeah. What 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 person were you when you left this earth? What are they going to say? Because that would dictate your legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we see that now, right? When I think the world is coming to is un, untangling because mm-hmm. some people we might have seen as um, heroes or great people. And we're finding out they weren't so great. They had flaws. Yeah. They were human. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting. There's a lot take, of uncertainty. Yes. But it's interesting. Your take where it's not so much tied to what people are saying about you, but more tied to what you have at the end and what you can pass on. Exactly what you can pass on because you know you can't take it with you that's for sure that's true that's true no i think that that's i think i mean i would love to open this up to have a conversation with with other people about what they believe the legacy is um i think a lot of people you know you said land Mm -hmm. or ownership right Mm -hmm. and maybe some people might actually see legacies as wealth Mm -hmm. legacy as you know does snoop dogg have a legacy yeah, because he can go broke tomorrow, but his name is is old. You know, He's got dog. a brand. Yeah, he got a brand. Exactly. So I it, I think it's different ways. Of course, you can describe a legacy, but I will say your legacy does sound pretty cool. Thanks, man. No problem, man. No problem. Uh, I mean, shoot, man. Is there anything else you want to add? Anything else you want the listeners to um to know a little bit more? Well. I mean, shoot, I think uh, I sort of 
shilled my social media last time, but you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Mm -hmm. Aaron Brantley. Um, You know, I'd say just, you got to take steps, like kind of just to sum it up, whatever you want to do, you know, if you're interested in wholesaling, you're interested in real estate investment, you know, definitely educate yourself, but you have to take steps. You have to take some action and it can be very small, like driving for dollars, writing down addresses and figuring out how to get in touch with those people. Um, You know, in terms of education, you know, here and here, like those are the biggest things you have to get right. He pointed to his head and to his heart. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, rich dad, poor dad. Awesome. Um, In terms of changing the way you think about things. Uh, Bigger Pockets Forum, okay, blog, Brent Daniels, Max Maxwell, Pace Morby, great producers of content related to this and educators. Some of those guys have programs you can buy and you can really uh, ramp up your, your education in actionable, you know, basically instruction. Worth it. I've invested in those as well. Um, It's really helped. And then, you know, hey, finding people who are willing to go on the journey with you is, you know, irreplaceable. Um, You know, we all need backup and working together. I think, you know, it can, it can take you a lot farther than you can go by yourself. So I think that's, that's about it. I appreciate you having me, man. This was super fun. Nah, man. I mean, you know it's coming. <laughs> I want to say thank you. Thank you very much, bro. Uh, I mean, shoot, man. I feel like we've been talking about this for a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy we were able to do it. And I kept telling you, we can go probably for four or five hours because we've done that in your living room too many times. Um, real. <laughs> I think the hardest part about this is not going down the questions that I have for you so we can talk more. But the good thing is, hey, man, you know, we always get back on here. We'd love to have you come back on here and, uh, you know, maybe maybe talk about some other things, you know, some other things Absolutely. that's on your mind uh, that's going on in the world today. But uh, I'd love to. Well, we'll save that. We'll save that for the for the part three. No, I'm joking. There ain't no part three. There'll be a whole new episode. But, <laughs> yeah, man, Aaron, I want to say again, thank you, man. Thank you very much coming out. Uh, man, I mean. I don't even know what else to, to say at this point, man. But we're going to bring back the old or the original Fade Out music. Again, this is Wolfcat. Nowhere featuring Cage Bird. Shout out to Will out in Philly. Keep doing your thing, brother. Aaron and I signing off. Network Nights, episode five. Peace. Peace. Crossroads with missing signs. Not sure, left or right. Maybe straight on, make a path of my own. Never known from before. You know, kicking that door tomorrow. I know I'm but back home I will make it through these hard times regardless But these hard times are heartless Did I make a mistake? Asking myself, do I have what it takes? Or will it all come crashing right down on me? Can't get out of my head or my heart off my sleeve And my heart needs to sleep And my eyes need to see Something that tells me my dreams meant for me Something that tells me my dreams meant for me
need a sign Cause you know these eyes are tight And you said I'm your design But right now it feels like there's no you and I Right now feels like you ignoring my cries When you see me out here and I'm barely surviving How I'm supposed to believe in your timing Seems like when I'm seeking your guidance you hide Did I make a mistake? Asking myself, do I have what it takes? Will it all come crashing right down on me? Can't get out of my head or my heart off my sleeve. I'm just lost and frustrated. Feels like that I'm never gonna make it. But I know that's a lie. I know the battle is all in my mind, cause. 